Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, our hearts have already been greatly moved in singing praises unto your precious and holy name. Lord, we thank you for gifting those hymn writers. We thank you for the gift of the Word of God and Psalms, Lord, that you inspired that might help us as we approach thy throne of grace in times of need, not only to find grace, but also to worship and praise you. Father, we thank you so much for loving us in spite of ourselves. We thank you, Lord, for what you sacrificed on Calvary. And Lord, it never fails, but every time Lord, on Sundays when we gather together and sing those psalms and those hymns, though my heart is touched for your great love for your children, Lord, my heart is also grieved that there are those that amongst us who hear those same words and know nothing of the love of Jesus Christ. They know nothing of the Savior, the forgiveness of sins, the blessings that we have. Oh, Lord, my heart yearns that you would help them open up their eyes that they might see Christ in all his beauty. To the midst of their own sins and corruption, Lord, may they see the rich mercies of grace in Christ Jesus. My Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd bless now as we try to understand this peace of God that pats us all understanding. Help us, Lord, that we might learn to pray for, Lord, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Therefore, we trust the Holy Spirit of God. Ask you, Father, Lord, this morning that you would be pleased in revealing your Son unto us and helping us, Lord God, to understand the Word of God. May it enter into our hearts as the parable of the sower, and may we keep it, and may it bring forth fruit with patience. And, Lord, I pray that it make us to be like the psalmist in chapter 1 where we're like those trees that's planted by waters, that our fruit would bring forth in his season. Father, I pray that you guide us and direct us now. Bless as only you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> While pondering anew this text this past week, the words of Jeremiah the prophet came to heart and mind, who said, Thy words were found. And I did, I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Beloved, it's not sufficient that we merely find or hear the words of God. But we must learn to eat them spiritually. Indulge in them. Savor them. Meditate upon them. And that not of our that of ourselves, not of another. Jeremiah said, "I did, and it was unto me." Until they become the joy and rejoicing of our hearts. 
The newborn babes desire, Peter said, for the milk of the word, that they may grow thereby, is inflamed and inspired only after they have tasted that the Lord is gracious. First Peter chapter 2. Therefore the psalmist would even say, Oh, taste and see. Taste and see. Personal experience. Nobody can taste for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now these words of the Apostle Paul are sweets under the spiritual palate of God's people, who because of worry and care have tasted have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The exhortation to be careful for nothing is a serious exhortation. And yet, because of carefulness or worry and anxiety, we're driven as God's elect to seek the peace of God that passes understanding and that by prayer through Jesus Christ. So in some odd, strange way, even the cautiousness or anxiety which threatens our peace is something that is in itself a blessing if it drives us to seek the peace of God through Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. I will sanctify to them their deepest Distress, the old hymn says. What a merciful and gracious God we have. Though we have all these weaknesses and infirmities, He so tenderly and mercifully cares for us and loves us and guides us. Why do you think them psalms mean so, them psalms and those hymns mean so much? The depth of some of them psalms and hymns reach down to the very soul of man and lift it up into the very presence of God. In spite of our infirmities and weakness, God through Jesus Christ loves us as His own. Be careful for nothing. Unlike Christ's own exhortation in Matthew 6 that we looked at a few weeks ago, that the believer take no thought or care or worry for their life, what they shall eat or what they shall drink or what they shall put on, where the divine remedy in that passage of Scripture for such things is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness by faith. That was the remedy for our caring or troubles about our daily providential needs. Christ didn't say seek the peace of God by prayer. He said, no, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness by faith, and all these things shall be added unto you. Your Father knows you have need of these things, yet here in Paul's exhortation, concerning all troubling and anxious thoughts. We're called on to seek the peace of God which passes all understanding and that by prayer through Christ Jesus. What an amazing difference. 
God will take care of us providentially in our daily needs of eating and clothes and drinking and what we shall wear. God will take care of us. And by faith, we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God will add these things unto us. Yet when it comes to anxiety and worry in our daily lives, and I mean everything concerning our daily lives, all the little cares and worries, our job, our family, our children, the decisions we make in life, how often are we worried if we've made the right decision? What about the things we can concern us daily on our jobs, our health? All those things. Paul would embrace, engulf all of those things that would cause us to worry from the smallest to the greatest. And he says, be careful for none of these things, but in everything by prayer, seek the peace of God, which passes all understanding it will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What a compassionate, wonderful exhortation for God's children. We have no need to worry for clothing or food or providential care in this present life, and we have no need to worry over those many and countless things that oh, cause us unrest and anxiety. We have such a wonderful and gracious God that has provided everything for us if we would just humbly follow his divine instructions. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. I pray I not weary you in staying so long in this text because it just keeps opening up more and more to me and I wish so much to share it with you and I pray that the Lord would bless us. And listen to me this morning. I want you to understand there's none of us this morning that are spared the cares and anxiety of this life. From the smallest to the, the largest. And I even found, I was talking to my wife this morning, I found as I grow older, I'm sure Brother William will bear witness to this fact, and Brother Greg, as I grow older, I find there are many more things to cause us anxiety and worry as we grow older. We're not spared from it. But I'm so glad God commands us not to be careful for those things. I'm so glad that he doesn't just command me not to, but he gives me a wonderful remedy. And it's something that's so dear and precious to God's children. Prayer. What is more precious to the child of God than prayer? You know, Paul doesn't say in Romans that we can't pray. He said we simply don't know what to pray for as we ought. But prayer is something that is a vital part of every Christian. It's like breathing air. If you're a child of God, you cannot but pray. When Paul was converted and Christ told the disciple to go seek out Paul, he said, for behold, he prayeth. Had not Paul prayed before that? Yes, Paul prayed before that. Many times, probably hours. The Pharisees were devoted to prayer. Yet he'd never prayed until he met Christ. And Christ would say, here's the testimony of his salvation. Behold. Not just he prayeth, the Lord himself said, Behold, notice, take attention, listen, he's praying. What comfort that is for the child of God. When they're full of anxiety and care, 
And God invites us to pray to Him, to draw near to Him. The weight of this divine exhortation that we be careful for nothing, together with the exhortation that in everything by prayer, immediately compels the anxious and troubled believer to look away from himself and look unto God. Be careful for nothing. I can't do that, Lord. I'm troubled everywhere. But in everything by prayer, immediately compels us to look away from ourselves and look unto God. And is that not what Christianity is all about? You look away from yourself and you look to God. For nothing short of the omnipotent peace of God which passes all understanding, declares Paul, can keep a troubled and anxious heart and mind. What a humbling thought. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Paul would have us to immediately know it's beyond our comprehension. It's omnipotent in itself because God is omnipotent. Nothing short of the peace of God can keep our hearts and our minds. So the troubled and anxious believer falls humbly on his knees, spiritually or physically, and looks away from himself and looks to God, who alone can keep this mind and this heart from being troubled and anxious. Has no confidence in himself, but looks unto God. And dearly beloved, that is what it's all about, looking unto God. When shall I, when shall I appear before God? The psalmist said in Psalm 42. My soul longeth for God, the living God. When shall I appear before God? You know, I've also learned this last week about cares and anxiety for which we are to seek God's peace to keep our hearts and our minds. They actually do sometimes, if not often, Spiritually good for us. Because when I find myself in such times, I find myself longing to depart from this sin-cursed world and this corrupt flesh and enter into the presence of God where there shall never be any anxiety or care again that I might just appear before God. When shall I appear before God, the living God? Oh, when you fear, dearly beloved, when you're anxious for anything, listen to the exhortation of Paul and pray and supplicate with thanksgiving. I wish I could give the sinner, the lost person, some hope in that, but I can't. You have nowhere to go with your fear and anxiety. You have no one to turn to. You not even yourself. In fact, you're your worst torment. You torment yourself more than those circumstances surrounding you which cause you fear. You have nowhere to go. I won't get there now because we're not to the peace of God yet, but the Word of God said there is no peace to the wicked. He's like a troubled sea casting up mire. You ever look at the sea? I lived in San Diego for years, and when the sea is tormenting, when it's turbulating, it's growing back and forth, it casts up the mire from the ground, and you can't see through the water, and that's what it does. To the wicked, this lack of peace, it cast up mire. But for the believer, mm, we have not only a promise of peace, but it's not just general peace. 
peace of God. What assures us of that? And I ain't got time to get into it today. We will. What assures us that this peace of God which passes understanding shall be ours through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving? Well, I believe that's why Paul finished these two verses with these three words. Through Christ Jesus. That's what assures us. Because all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yea and amen. Through Christ Jesus. Isaiah 41 spoke it well when he said, Fear thou not, God speaking through Isaiah, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Oh, that I had time to get into this passage of Scripture. I am the everlasting, the ever-present. I am I'm with you. But he increases that. Be not dismayed, dismayed, be not disheartened. Why? For I am thy God. I'm not only with you, I'm your God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, and I love that word, I will help thee. Yea, this is though Germans call it Aufsteigerung. Sorry, I just kind of lost the English word for a minute, but he kind of just raises it up even higher. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. Beloved, nothing short of the omnipotent power of God's perfect peace can calm and keep the troubled hearts and minds. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Stayed on thee. Uh, and that, Paul declares, we receive this assurance, this peace of God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. What a marvelous invitation. Paul would declare this threefold chord as though each were so united and dependent upon one another that without the one, the others would be incomplete. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, as though they're all united as one, that one is dependent upon the other or that one flows from one another. Just like the attributes of God. You can look at the attributes of God individually, but actually, like an old preacher said, it's like the rainbow in the sky. The colors fade together into each other. You don't know where one begins and the other one ends. So it is with the attributes of God and so it is with this exhortation. You don't know where prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, you don't know where they end or where they begin. They flow together. And it's, it's natural. It's not like you can go, okay, I'm praying now. Okay, stop praying. I'm going to supplicate. Okay, I'm going to stop supplicating now. I'm, I'm thanks. If they flow together. I'm praying, supplicating, thanking God. I'm thanking God, supplicating, praying. I'm supplicating, praying, thanking. It goes back and forth. They flow together. They're all three consistent, and they must all three be joined together in our prayers of seeking this peace of God that passes all understanding. And it hurts me and it burdens me that so many preachers that I've heard over the past few months have neglected this passage of Scripture by generally saying, you just only need to pray. May we, by God's grace, learn from Paul's exhortation exactly how to exercise ourselves in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
And so this morning, I want to just start with the first of this threefold chord. And it won't be long, but I think it's long enough for us to take home with us this, this afternoon and contemplate and think about it and meditate on it, because each one of these are of themselves as big as God. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. But in everything, by prayer. Ah, it's only fitting, and even the greatest importance, beloved, when we find our hearts and minds troubled by anything, listen to me, that prayer, not in general, but in the offering up of praise and adoration to God, that prayer lead this glorious threefold chord. Prayer, Paul says, must lead this glorious threefold chord. Prayer is the same as supplication, but different in its uh, essence. Prayer is a lifting up, an offering up of praise and adoration, and as we'll see next week, supplicating is earnestly and humbling, making a request before God. Both of them are joined together, both of them flow together, but Paul would specifically put prayer first, because regardless of how anxious our souls are, we must begin by lifting up Praise and adoration to God. The problem with the majority of the Christians is we know not how to pray as we ought. Sure, but we're not praying right. We're just simply rushing into the presence of God with no thought, no consideration of who God is or what our needs are. We just rush into His presence and frantically burst out our needs. Oh God, help me! Paul says, no. Paul says, when your hearts are troubled by anxiety and worry, first, calm yourself, be still, and know that I'm God, and pray. Lift up adoration and praise to God. You say, preacher, that's hard because the anxiety and worry in my heart is so rampant, it's so powerful. No, calm yourself and pray. When the children of Israel were standing before the Red Sea and the mountains on the left and right and Pharaoh uh, quickly, fast, approaching with his army to destroy them, what did God tell the children of Israel to do? He said, Moses, tell them to be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Calm yourselves. This is a mature believer. This is someone who's learned something about prayer, about his own infirmities, and about God's grace and good and goodness and mercy. As he calms himself, he stops. He calms himself as he approaches the presence of God and he begins to lift up praise and adoration. Many make the mistake in the heat of their troubled and anxious moments of beginning with supplications. And I'm not saying that is of itself wrong. But that isn't how Paul would instruct us to pray. In our desire, listen to me, in our desire to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know that verse in Hebrews? Our desire to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Beloved, let us not bypass or neglect the throne of grace. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you might find grace. Don't bypass the throne of grace when you're looking for mercy and grace. 
to help in time of need. Stop before the throne of grace. Come boldly before the throne of grace. That's the first instruction, that you might find grace and help in time of need. Stop at the throne of grace. Calm yourselves. Settle yourselves. And lift up adoration and praise unto God. Are you following me? Oh, look at Psalm 42, which we've mentioned a few times already. Psalm 42. We read Psalm 51 earlier in our reading. And just for your benefit, I underline, like you probably a lot, I underline verses in my Bible. I got that whole chapter underlined. There's, I couldn't decide which one was my favorite. Psalm 42. Let's begin in verse 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? What an amazing thought. But now watch verse 5 and 11. Look at verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Sound like he's anxious and worried. Hope thou in God. Now watch this. For I shall yet, what? Praise him for the help of his countenance. You see that? He's praying. Why are you cast down? Why art thou disquieted? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. You see, he's using that same divine method. He's praying. I will praise him. He's lifting adoration and prayer. Not just once. Look in verse 11. He does it twice. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance? <clears throat> and he finishes out with three words he doesn't do in verse 5. And my God. But what's he do? He praises God. He's praying. So Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, calm yourself down, settle yourself down, be still, and begin to pray, lifting up adoration and praise to God for who he is. And you know what? When we begin there, listen to me, when we begin there and we begin reminding ourselves, and again, I want to emphasize the importance of reading Scripture, <laughs> because Scripture is what reveals unto us who God is and what He is, our ignorance of Scripture, we can't pray right. You know prayer is in accordance to Scripture. I like what John Gill said, or John Owen says, our, our prayers must echo Scripture, because nothing glorifies God more than Scripture. So may our prayers echo the Word of God into the presence of God. But I'm telling you, when you begin praying, and you begin lifting adoration and praise to God, and begin thanking Him for all His wonders and mercies and grace that He's done in you, all His attributes of His perfections, of His perfect will and His works, when you begin to lift all those up before God, when it comes to your supplications, it's like, oh God, I have no problem bringing these before such a God as I've just praised. I'm reminded how big you are and great you are, and therefore nothing is impossible for you. And then by the time you lay your request before Him, what flows from the lips and the hearts after that? Oh God, I'm so thankful. So you enter in with care and anxiety and you exit that prayer with a heart full of thankfulness and praise and adoration. I will yet praise Him. Look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. What an example. All these tragedies and afflictions have hit Job. 
I won't read the whole chapter. Most of us know what happened. He lost all his children, his wealth, everything. Look what Job does at the end of chapter 1 and verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Stay with me. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed. Praise. That's what the word blessed means. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's praising God. He's praying. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He praised God. You say, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to praise you when I'm full of anxiety and fear. No, that's the first and foremost thing we have to do is praise God. And I'm not simply saying we do it superficially. Beloved, we all have to admit, we, if we're truthful ourselves and God so often, public prayers can, can be danger to us. Because so often, when we're not careful, we find ourselves praying to others in the room and not to God. Just like in singing praises. When we sing praises during the worship, do we think about the songs that we're singing? Are we, are we singing those hymns and those psalms as though God was in our presence and we're trying to exalt and honor and glorify Him? Are we fixating our hearts and our minds on the words that we're saying more than the melody, trying to fix our hearts and our minds upon Him who is above all things worthy of praise and honor and glory? We think worship is an easy thing for us to do. Oh, dearly beloved, worship is not an easy thing to do. Our hearts are slow and sluggish. Praise God, from whom all things flow. Praise Him, all you creatures here below. Praise Him, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh, dearly beloved, this is what prayer is. But in everything, by prayer. Look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verses 1 to 4. Watch these words. The psalmist, I will bless the Lord sometimes. I will bless the Lord at all times. Doesn't matter what it is. I will bless him. I will adore him. I will praise him. His praise shall continually be in my mouth all the time without ceasing. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. You know, that's what we did earlier. As a called out group of believers, we magnified the Lord's name and we exalted His name together. Which we'll look at the end of our sermon this morning. How this prayer of which call, Paul calls us to, this lifting of adoration and pray, is also strengthened by our mutual communal gathering. Do you know that? I won't go there, but the devil has greatly succeeded in blinding many professing Christians into believing that gathering together physically, not over a TV screen or a monitor, but gathering physically adds or helps and aids us in praying. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
and to aid and assist us in praising his name. Beloved, God has also graciously provided us the blessed communion and worship of the saints. Look over in Psalm 84. This is one of my favorite psalms. I love them all, but today it's my favorite, along with 42 and 51, and you know how that works. Psalm 84. I'm going to read the whole chapter for the simple fact, the blessings of it, and in regards to Paul's exhortation to pray. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! Exclamation point. It's like he stops. It's like you're. It's it's like he. It's like when you first time I seen the Swiss Alps. You want to see something beautiful? Oh man, amazing! One summer years ago, when my uh, children were still small, we took an old gentleman, a town drunk that got saved, and one other woman, and we went up into the high Alps of the mountains into a lake that was. You, I mean, to to drive up that mountain, the road you could look down from the passenger side, and it was just a straight drop. We went all the way up in this mountain, got in on top of this mountain, went down into a little ravine in that mountain, and there was this most beautiful turquoise lake. I mean, turquoise. Could see all the way to the bottom. Beautiful Swiss Alps with green mountains and trees, and it was beautiful. It was stunning. You you stopped, and you was made. This is what the psalmist is doing. When he's considering how amiable thy tabernacles of the Lord of hosts is, it's as though he stopped, and he's amazed at what's going on in the tabernacle. Not the building, but what's going on inside. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, not occasional visitors, but those who dwell in thy house, they shall still, they shall be still praising thee. That means they'll be praising them through all circumstances of life. They're consistent in their life, in the valleys and the hills. Why? Because they're dwelling in the Lord's house. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Speaking of the house of the Lord and what goes on in there, in the, whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Becca, which is a valley of tears, makes it a well. Instead of tears, it's made a well. You see the blessings? The rain also filleth the pools. They go down. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Look at that unity. Look at that communal fellowship. You see what he's praising? This is what we have in worship and, and worshiping together. O Lord, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God, of Jacob, Selah, behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will we hold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. But in everything by prayer, a supplication, a thanksgiving. Beloved, though we must be often in private prayer with our Heavenly Father, and in your closet, close the door, 
and pray unto your heavenly Father in secret who shall reward thee openly, though we should and must be often in private prayer. When our hearts and our minds are threatened by the cares and troubles of this present world, listen to me, there is much need for communal prayer and praise in knowing more clearly the peace of God which passes all understanding. You know what we do here Sunday mornings? It's more than just trying to go through the motions. And I hope and I pray and I believe we all understand that. But we come here to worship God, first and foremost. We come here to worship God. But in doing that together, with our prayers and our praises, we encourage one another. And those times of anxiety and fear, when we gather together to do that, we find the peace of God that passes all understanding. We are dependent upon one another as believers, especially in the times of worship. Look at Psalm 100 while we're so close. Psalm 100. Listen to this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. That's the effects of communal prayer and worship. Like I said, Satan has of recent been more successful than ever before in blinding many professing believers to the great importance and immeasurable, immeasurable blessings which come with the communal prayers, praise, and worship of God's people. So when Paul says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer, he's not meaning simply private prayer, which is a great part of it. He's meaning also communal prayer and praise and worship. When we lift up our praise and adoration to God as a group of believers, God blesses our hearts with peace. It aids us in seeking that peace which troubles our minds and our hearts. Are you not often refreshed when you come to the house of God and you hear the singing and the prayers and the preaching and we leave the house of God rejoicing? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up into the house of the Lord. even amongst those who are obedient to this divine commandment of communal worship. Still, many there be amongst her ranks that continue to be independent and individual in their hearts and minds. What do you mean by that? In many ways, even as Christians, many Christians meet on the Lord's Day to worship, in many ways there are still Christians that have been infected by that that sinful thought, that erroneous thought that I'm of my own, I'm an individual. And they come in not wanting to join in unity and fellowship and worship. They're their own person, if you know what I'm talking about. They judge other Christians. They judge the preaching. They find no unity, no fellowship. They're obedient to coming to worship, but their hearts and their minds are still uh, separate individualist. Let me tell you something. You're missing out on what the psalmist is talking about if we come with hearts like that. 
always suspicious, always doubtful. Be careful of that. There is something to be had when God's people come together on Sunday and pray and praise and worship and sing. There's something to be had that encourages and aids every single one of us as believers. We can so much reap from one another. We can so much be blessed by one another when we pray and worship. I'm telling you, when God's people are in unity of heart and mind on this day, during this time of worship, I'm telling you, God opens up the portals of heaven and blesses his children with peace. Beloved, there are so many things in our daily lives that cause us to be careful and troubled. Countless things. The decisions we make. Did I make the right decisions? Especially as the head, head of the family, did I make the right decisions? We're, we're making a move. We're doing this. Did I, did I make the right decision? Are we, are we making the right decision in life? Our family, our health, our children, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be healthy? The daily cares of life, uh, be they so seemingly small? What if I, I need to get this done today? Can I get this done in time? And can I get that and done? To, can I get the, can I get the cow to the meat processor? Can I get the fields? Will it be enough rain? this time will I be able to feed my family of so many things in life many times it's not the huge cares in life that cause us to stumble spiritually it's a multitude of them small cares and troubles in life oh beloved I encourage you in everything by prayer and supplication let your thanksgiving, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's why we begin the day like that. We begin the day by giving God the day, do we not? I mean, He owns it anyway. We give it to Him. We get up in the morning, we pray, and we say, Lord, I know you do. I do. Lord, I have no idea what awaits me on the job. On my way to work every morning, I have no idea. I could get there, and the whole building can be in disarray. And I've got 101 things to do. My greatest fear is plumbing. I don't like plumbing. I never know what's going to await me. But Lord, you do. And Lord, when I get there and I become worried, oh, I don't have time to run out to my office to bow on my knees and pray. So what I do is I just simply say a quiet prayer to God. Oh, Lord God, I pray, help me, help me. Lord, that I might not be full of anxiety and worry. Lord, I give you thanks and praise for everything that you are. Give me the strength, I dear pray, dear God. And I'm telling you, beloved, this this is why we. This is what you call uh, praying always. Pray without ceasing. And the heart, the believer's heart, beloved, we are constantly praying without ceasing. Do you know that? It might be short little. Prayers, supplications lifted up to heaven, but we're, we are always constantly praying. There's not a day go by that we're not praying, and sometimes we don't even think about it. Oh, my child cut her foot. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me to, oh, I hope everything's, we're praying. Praying. Things are not going right at the job or on the farm. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd help me get through. We're constantly praying. And then after a long week, let me close with this, but after a long week in this world, we gather together here as God's people. We rejoice at the countenance of one another. We rejoice at the fellowship. 
and then hearts full of love and adoration for God and for one another, we begin lifting up our praises. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. And our hearts begin to find the calm and peace of God that passes all understanding. And we're united. And oh, what a blessing. What a foretaste of heaven. Be careful for nothing, but in all things by prayer. And next week, Lord willing, or next time, we'll look at supplication. Maybe supplication with thanksgiving together. I, I, I hope I'm not lingering too long on this text, but... Oh, I'm telling you, it's as though I've read it for the first time, and it's you know, given me great joy. Supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. I love that. Let your request be made known unto God. I love that. God, you know everything, and yet you want me to tell you what my need is. Isn't that great? You want me to tell you what my need is. Do you ever go to somebody with a trouble and a problem and they didn't have time to listen to you and all you wanted to say was, I just want you to listen. I want you to listen. With humans, we say, I don't expect you to solve my problem. At least listen to me. God says, no, I want you to come to me and tell me. Tell me. Lay it out before me. God, you know it doesn't matter. I want to hear it. Tell me. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, what comfort. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, I feel, Lord God, that I've failed thee. What words can a human find to speak of the love and mercy and grace, compassion and peace of God? If it's without understanding, how shall I ever put such things in words? Therefore, I pray the Holy Spirit would take your word your word, and speak to the hearts of your children. I pray for those this morning that know not Christ. Lord, maybe now at the moment they don't have any anxiety or cares or troubles. But Lord, they'll come. And sometimes, Father, they'll come like a roaring, waging sea and overwhelm us, catch us off guard. Lord, I pray that, Father, you would help those who know not Christ to understand that there is no peace without God. And I pray that, Lord, you draw them unto yourself. I pray for your children this morning that are in need of this peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, our passage of Scripture doesn't promise deliverance from those circumstances which might cause us to worry, but, Lord, it offers us something much, much, much more better. It offers us a peace of God which enables us to glorify you and honor you and praise you in the midst of the storms of life. Lord, I pray that you'd guide us and direct us now throughout this week. I pray that you'd be with us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. And we ask these things now in Christ's name. Amen.